I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we've got Jeremiah Gracia with us. He's the Grand Rapids, Michigan economic developer, and we just got him out of a ribbon cutting today. So uh, good things are going on up there in Grand Rapids. So Jeremiah, thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity, Chad. Yes, sir. So uh, I love Grand Rapids. I don't know how many people have been there. I bet you find a lot of people have been through there, but I've stayed there about a year ago. It was before the COVID and I didn't even know it. It was on some art festival night and I, I just never been so impressed. It's a very impressive place. So tell these folks where Grand Rapids is and a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah. So Grand Rapids is in Western Michigan. It is the second largest city in Michigan with a population just over 200,000. We expect to be about 208,000 with this new census numbers coming out. It is the urban center, again, of Western Michigan. And I can tell you, my family and I were exposed to this area through vacationing up here in the beaches of West Michigan. So if you've never been to the natural waters of the Great Lakes, I encourage you to come up, come through Grand Rapids and check out Lake Michigan along the Western shore. And it is beautiful. And that's kind of how my family and I, we've been vacationing and this opportunity to present itself to come from the Columbus market. I said, hey, that's a good market. I know a lot of folks talk about it. And if I'm going to leave Ohio to go to that state up north, I got to go somewhere good. And so West Michigan and Grand Rapids was a place. Yeah, so I did a deal with a company up there in Ludington, Michigan, which is even north of you, right there on the yes. water. But we flew yes. absolutely beautiful area, automotive supplier. And the Grand Rapids has a whole lot of manufacturing, but you've also got healthcare and university. So talk about kind of what makes that economy tick there. You know, obviously, a strong manufacturing base that has historically made Michigan and really the Midwest what it is. There is a burgeoning healthcare and medical bioscience sector. Here in Grand Rapids, we have a new place called the Medical Mile, and that is literally a mile of all medical bioscience and research based institutions. And in fact, today I was just at the groundbreaking for the Perigo North American headquarters. And so Perigo is in the self care space. So they do, you know, they sell a lot of anti-cessation patches and ibuprofens and aspirin and 
a lot of over-counter stuff that didn't even know that Perigo makes and the consumer packaged goods in healthcare. That was a major reason for why they chose this location. Michigan State University has its medical school here as well. And so that is another draw. And then a lot of medical research institutions. And then those spin off into the medical manufacturers that we have in the region. And so the medical mile is, that's been developing over the last 25 years. Then we have, you know, when you come off 131 and Chad, when you were down here, you know, a strong downtown market of a lot of professional services in corporate headquarters. And then as you start to move out to the uh, outer rings, that's when you start to get into the manufacturers and distribution centers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, you know, stayed in some random downtown hotel. I always like to stay downtown and walk around and, and knew nothing about Grand Rapids, but walked around. I just couldn't believe what a good time I had. It really was fantastic. And there's a lot of small to mid-sized manufacturing there when you get out to the outskirts. I mean, it seems like the type of place where you've probably had people, you've got big companies as well, but you've also That's had, right. looks like a lot of entrepreneurs start businesses and be very successful there in the manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of them, uh, you know, manufacture products that many of us use and you'd never know where it was manufactured. Cause if you're not an economic developer, sometimes you just buy stuff and go, I don't, you know, an economic developers, we're reading labels and trying to figure out where headquarters are. When you go on vacation, you're checking out all the downtowns and all the economic based employers and trying to do your own reconnaissance on your competition. Right. And so I had done that a few times in Grand Rapids. And so it was a good opportunity and I took it. Yeah. Well, I met you back when you were in the Columbus region. So why don't you take us back to how you first got into economic development? Yeah. So been in economic development now entering my 16th year. I started out in Northwest Ohio, a town called Finley, Ohio, and spent six years there right out of grad school. And if you know anything about Finley, it's between Columbus and Toledo and consistently in the top micropolitan communities by Site Selection Magazine. So I've got to do a lot of manufacturing and distribution projects out there. Left that market in May of 11 to pursue a good opportunity in Dublin, Ohio, which is in the Columbus region. So I went from a rural to suburban area, was there for nine and a half years, and then came to the urban community of Grand Rapids. And so entering my 16th year, and you know what's been interesting about this is I made a full transition, both interview and moved in the middle of you know this COVID-19 situation. I worked for the city for a month and a half before I actually was able to come to the office, but it's been a good transition. Folks have adapted really well. And, you know, I think everybody can say their community is resilient, but West Michigan itself, it's, you know, a lot of Midwest values. And so it's all good stuff that we're seeing. And, you know, the biggest challenge we have right now is opening up the gates for us to travel and tell the story, right? So we're doing a lot of these, but we'll get there soon enough. You know, we do a lot of executive searches and I felt sorry for people who started jobs recently because what a bizarre time to start a job. I mean, back when I was an economic developer, I had a clear 90 day plan. This is who I'm going to meet. This is what I'm but you can't even do all of that. And Jeremiah and I were talking before we fired the Zoom up, and he said he just met some people today for the first time at the ribbon cutting who he's been working with all the. but today's the first time he actually yeah. met him in person. So it's yeah. just a bizarre way to start a job. It is bizarre, and it is also bizarre to meet someone with half their face covered, and you're guessing that that's the same person, and you have to check their name tag to make sure, right? But it, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you've had good success along the way. So what really motivates you? What do you love about doing economic development? What I really love the most is the outcomes of our job is, you know, we allow people to get jobs, right, and provide for their families and create generational wealth, 
right? That's really the outcome of economic development. You know, there's nothing better than when you meet someone in a social setting or whatever, and they say, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm economic development. So what is that? I said, well, where do you work? And they'll say, oh, I work at, and they name the company. I'll say, well, you know, that expansion project that you just did and whatever, like I helped part of that process. Oh, great. Yeah. You know, I got a job because of that expansion where I hired a couple of people where I'm, you know, that's why I do what I do. And that's why I've been doing this now for you know 16 years. And there's nothing else that I really ever want to do. And it's humbling, but it's also very rewarding to be a part of those projects and also be a valuable asset to the decision makers that know their business well, but don't necessarily know site location or economic development processes, right? And so Chad, you know, you do that, you consult with companies and helping them feel comfortable about making a commitment and knowing with some certainties that you're going to deliver what you've given them and they can go tell their bosses and their decision makers that I've locked on this. This is what we're doing. Here's the resources we're going to get and here's how we're going to meet the timeline for our project to be open for our employees to show up. Yeah. And you know, that's so important. And you know, now that I sit on this side of the table, I'm amazed at how many companies I walk in their office and they've got a plant somewhere just because they acquired a competitor. If they really had it to put wherever they needed to be, it's in the wrong spot. And so there's a lot of them who really don't know a whole lot about sites. You got it. I I would have assumed companies would know more about site selection than they do. So that's something economic developers can certainly help them with if you think from that regard. Yeah. And you know what our job is, and I will give a nod to Carol Johnson, who's really brought this to mind. Our job is to reduce time, risk, and money. How long is it going to take to do that? How do you mitigate my risk? And how do I save some money and time? If you do the first two things right, they'll save money. And you know, a lot of folks, they're very good at their industry and their subject matter experts when it comes to site selection or real estate negotiations or incentive negotiation. That's not in their wheelhouse, right? And so I always take approach of consulting with them and making sure that they can trust me and I can say, well, hey, what is uh, leadership asking you or questioning you about what you've heard or what you presented so that I can give you more certainty and again, reduce risk for leadership to say, this is the location we're doing. This is the place we're closing down and moving here, whatever, right? And that's the most enjoyable part of of this work. Yeah. And remind me, you were just in one of the publications for one of the awards, top 50 economic developers or Ford. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember seeing your picture. Yeah. yeah so I was a DCI 40 under 40. And then I got the pleasure to be a judge this past year to select DCI's 40 under 40 in March. So I got to give back and I still connect and, you know, I get to see some great economic developers from across the country and what they're doing and learning from them really like, Hey, that's a novel project. That's a pretty cool program. Maybe we could take some, borrow that and connect with them and network. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what's 
sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other bills and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Well, I like to ask people who've been successful, if you go back to when you were nine or 10 years old, what do you want to be? And I always like to then compare that to an economic developer to see if there was a spark in there you didn't even know about back in the day. When I was nine years old, what I wanted to be was an attorney. You know, I went through college and I actually did go to law school. And I realized when I got into the work, you know, as when I was in law school as a clerk, that was not a fulfilling career for me. It was not what I was going to do and what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And so I took a pivot and I decided I was going to go to a master's degree in public administration. And during that time, I was exposed to economic development work. And what I learned through my journey was, while I think I like it, there's nothing more than actually practical experience to make sure that it is what it seems to be and it's what you're going to like. So I was able to secure a graduate internship in Finley, Ohio, with a great guy named Russ Rogerson, who's now over in West Virginia. He gave me my first shot. And 16 years later, I'm still living the dream in economic development. What's interesting about the attorney field was, you know, while I'm not a practicing attorney, I work a lot with them. So I have a keen eye on contracts and negotiations and making sure that we're using the right language. And, you know, when we're negotiating, the things are put on paper the way that we intended to be. And so there's no question down the road about what was meant and what was included and what was not. So still work with a lot of them and I rely a lot of them on my work here. We all do as economic developers, but uh, not something that I uh, want to do all the time. Uh, economic development is what I want to do. Yeah, but I bet that helps your writing skills and I bet it also helps presentation skills. So I can see where Absolutely. that would still yeah. come in very handy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we all talk about transferable skills with workforce. So maybe you got yeah. some from, maybe you got some. Yeah, from. I mean, there's nothing better than being able to write a very clean, concise email response to someone that is addressing their question, but not being you know too verbose and long. It's like, I can get this done in three sentences, not three paragraphs. Right, right. Well, have you had any one biggest influence on your career or multiple people or looking back, what would you say are some of the biggest influences? Well, you know, I think some of the biggest influences I've had is I've had great mentors in my career. They put me in positions to stretch myself and learn and giving me a leash long enough to do my own learning. But they were also very supportive to say, hey, at any given time, you can come find me. You know, there's a critical decision to be made and we'll talk through it. You know, there's many people that have done it in every place I've been, in every city, in every organization. And I still keep in touch with many of those folks. And not only just, I want to say, leaders, but peers. I've learned a lot from peers. As you know, Chad, none of us come in economic development from one educational discipline. And many of those folks that have different educational disciplines have taught me a lot about myself and how I approach projects based on how questions they've asked or challenges they've made to me. And so I'm very uh, fortunate to uh, have experienced that. 
do you have any daily habits that make you successful? You know, things you just have to do every morning or every afternoon or anything like that that you really think helps keep you organized? I do a lot of post-it notes, right? So I will try to take some time and prioritize things that need to be done that day or maybe in this coming couple days or week and try to keep that in focus so I can check things off incrementally so it doesn't become too overwhelming. A practice that has kind of fallen off based on my new position and unfortunately because some gyms aren't open is going to the gym every day. And that has been a huge, huge impact for me. Like it's been helpful to just escape and kind of disconnect. So I um, try to go on walks or do a run and, you know, the gyms, the way things are, not all gyms are open, but uh, trying to do a lot of outdoor activities and a lot of hiking to do thinking and just to kind of exercise and relax my mind from sort of the daily grind. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Most likely you have noticed the tremendous growth we've had in our executive search business. So each week on our podcast show, we're going to spotlight one of the executive searches that we're doing. This week, we're going to spotlight the Victoria County, Texas, president of economic development search we're doing. This is a tremendous job. Victoria is located basically halfway between San Antonio and Houston. It's pretty much the largest community between the two once you get outside of both of those suburb areas. County population of 92,000 people and growing, and this thing's going to pay up to $190,000. I think this is one of the best jobs in Texas, especially when you get outside of the metro area. This is a stable organization. They've had one CEO in the last 15 years. Victoria County has a winning tradition. They have huge name brand industries there like Caterpillar and Dow and many others. If you're interested, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Victoria to check it out. You need to apply before May 7th. If you got questions, feel free to call us or book a Zoom with us. We'd love to tell you about it. It's interesting you mentioned the post-it notes. I was watching, you know, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, the Shark Tank guy, for those of you that watch it. I don't know how I came across this, but two or three months ago, he had a tip that every day when he leaves his office, he writes down like the top four things he's got to get done the next day on four different post-it notes. Yeah. And then he puts it on his mirror. So when he shaves or whatever, he sees it and he don't even check his email till he does those things. And I started that. I'm one of these one week I need to be organized on the computer. The next week I need to write it down. So I kind of skip around, but I tried that and that really helped me. So it's funny you say something as simple as that. You know, here this guy's a famous star, and that's his tip. Yeah, and I have the same thing, Chad. I bounce sometimes from my iPad notes to my regular Post-it notes. But nonetheless, it's worked for me in many different times, and I've tried to go all digital, and then there's just something about me able to crumple the note and throw it away and say, I've completed that task. <laughs> Gives you that satisfaction. Yeah. yeah, we usually use a system called Trello, and it's all online. But this week, for whatever the reason, I can't get organized with that. So last night I had to sit and write it down the old-fashioned way and just circle as it went off of it. Well, as we sort of start to wind down, Jeremiah, we have a lot of young, new people to the profession, you know, project managers that are just getting in. So if you think back, what's the best piece of advice you ever received in the industry that some young folks might want to learn from? First and foremost, make sure you invest in creating a strategic plan. And if you have good mentors, they will stress that to you and lead you through that. Once that is complete and you have that strategic plan, you got to stay focused on executing the strategic plan. What I would also say is when you do that, 
what I call, it stops you from chasing squirrels. Whether you're 16 years in the business or brand new in it, sometimes you get that shiny object and you're like, oh, that'd be great. Let's go chase that project down. Let's do that one. Or let's do this. And this is great. But you kind of have to check yourself and say, okay, really, if I spend the time, human resource and financial resource in that, is that really contributing to the strategic plan that has been agreed upon by my stakeholders? And if you can't do that, and if you really need to give a lot of thought, you have one, two choices. One, you can just stop doing it and say, hey, I can't spend the time. It's out of scope. It's out of the plan. Or you have to revisit the strategic plan and say, okay, so maybe there is a couple of things I need to adjust, but I need to make sure that I adjust that holistically and not make myself being as a leadership position or my staff start chasing things that they shouldn't be spending time on because that will lead to a lot of probably more negative outcomes than ever positives. You get lucky every now and then and go, well, yeah, that's, you know, but more often than not, you kind of spin your wheels and you end up spending time and energy on something that you realize, man, that was not where it needed to be. And now I'm a little behind on this other uh, thing because I spent time over here trying to do this new thing. Right. Makes perfect sense. Well, Jeremiah, as we conclude, anything else you want to share with our listeners I might not have asked you about? Here's what I think is important too, is it's important for us in this industry to uh, think about who helped us get in the position we're in and who are you going to help to get in this business? Because just like any company, economic development has a workforce pipeline problem. And it's incumbent upon us as practitioners to recruit the future, both for our staff and for future leaders. And I can't stress that enough. It's so important for this industry because what we do, because a lot of people don't understand it, but the impact that we get to do, some of it behind the scenes and some of it at groundbreakings, it's important and not as many people as we hoped know about it and know what the career tracks are. And so that's what I would say. So when you're in it, if you want to go all in, you got to make sure that you surround yourself with good mentors and you're being a good mentor to someone else. Well, man, as an executive search firm, I could thank you for, I say amen for you say amen, because you're exactly yeah. right. We need more and more talent and it's a tremendous job. And if you look at the average pays more than your average business degree, and just so many people don't know what it is. And the fun thing is that you just get to do so much. It's a wide, vast field out there. And, and I think we all got to do a better job of letting people know. So Jeremiah, thank you for being with us today. Uh, we appreciate it. Y'all folks go to Grand Rapids and spend some money when this pandemic's over. I promise you, you'll have a good time. That's right. All right, Chad. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you.